might not have realized this, but we just had an amazing heaven practice. Practice for heaven, what we're going to get to do with Jesus, sing, praise Him, worship Him for all eternity. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Parks Church, and we are so glad that you're here. I know we've got many friends, um, guests, um, and so we're just glad that, uh, to welcome you as our family and uh, Parks Church family. We're so uh, grateful. It's just a joy to see you um, and to uh, just celebrate this amazing day with you. You know, as Miss Jessica was reading that story and then um, taken from the text that Caitlin read for us, my favorite line from that story is that she did not know where Jesus was, but he knew where she was. And that might be the case for many of us in this room, that we are a little bit unsure. We might have some doubts as to who Jesus is or to where he is, as she said to the young ones, and our adult hearts are no different. We can't see him physically. We can't experience, sometimes we don't feel like we experience the, the physical presence with us. And so we are often doubting, but make no mistake that we are here together the Lord brought you here according to his perfect plan because he knows exactly where you are. And that is a thing to marvel at. That's a thing. That's a truth to rejoice in because he knows where we are. And he has brought you here because he's pursuing you, because he loves you, because he desires for you to put your hope and your trust in him. As we gathered on Good Friday just a couple days ago, we said that it was a good Friday only because we knew that Sunday was coming. It would have been a terrible Friday, as Paul explains and says in Scripture, if the resurrection, if not, if the, if the dead are not raised to life again, then we are a people much to be pitied. And if Jesus did not take up his life again, if the resurrection wasn't true, if it was, as the, the, some of the people said, maybe an idle tale, as you heard read in that text, then we would be a people much to be pitied. We would be gathering for no purpose. It would be futile what we do here this morning and what we do day in and day out, Sunday morning after Sunday morning and Monday through Saturday as we worship Jesus with our lives. It would be a waste of time. But because he is alive, because the resurrection is true, we have a life and life in abundance, and I don't mean that in physical abundance like our American ears are so tempted to hear, but I mean life in abundance, life everlasting, life that is rich, life that is full with joy, life that is to be lived and to go and do all that you would want to do and enjoy the good gifts that God has given us as the creator. Enjoy them all to the glory of God because he is alive. If he's not alive, then this is a sad day. But he is alive, friends. He is alive today, and he is alive. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the scriptures say. And because he is alive, we can have joy. 
You know, as I thought about this Easter Sunday morning, we are in a study in the book of Daniel. And um, if you're a regular attender with us here at the Parks Church, uh, it's our practice to just work our way through books of the Bible. And we are in a study in the book of Daniel. So I just invite you to come back. We will be in chapter 8 next week, and we'll be working our way through that text. But you might remember, friends, the story of uh, Daniel and his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you haven't been with us in the past, perhaps you grew up maybe in church, at least those names sound somewhat familiar. If they don't sound familiar to you, that's okay. By the way, I'll just tell you what it is. Daniel and his friends were taken into captivity. They were captured by an evil king and taken away to a foreign land. And Daniel and his friends were instructed to do all of these things in obedience to this earthly king. But they said to themselves, because of their faith, they determined they would not obey the earthly king and be disobedient to God Almighty, the true God, the one true God. And so because of that, they had faith. And they said, no, we will only obey our God. And as they lived obediently before God, God gave them hope, God gave them Peace, God gave them favor, has even raised them up in the eyes of this earthly king. And there was a story that, again, some might be familiar with, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three friends, they were told and given instructions, and they said no. And so the king, this evil earthly king, says, I'm going to throw you in the fire, and you're going to die today. And so the king does that, throws them in the fire, and then he's amazed as they don't burn. And not only do they not burn, but there is no even evidence that they were even in a pit of fire. And he sees a theophany. He sees a picture of Christ, this man like the Son of Man, it says, standing with them. And there was four in the fire instead of just the three. And so they come out and that king falls down acknowledging that their God is the true God. You know, we need more people like that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that live in obedience to God above all else. In obedience to his word, we say very often in this church that this, this book, the Bible, is the authority, the final authority, and is the sufficient authority. It means that everything we need to know, everything we need for life, everything we need for hope and joy and peace and all those things is found in the word of God. And we need to be more like those three examples to us. Those three lived a life of faith. And ultimately, they lived a life of faith that was subversive to the earthly king. They didn't bow down to the earthly king. They didn't bow down to the earthly demands, but they lived a life above that. And here's the good news of this morning. When we truly believe in the power of the resurrection, when we have in our hearts, we have been completely and truly convinced that Jesus was raised from the dead, That Jesus, as he laid his life down on the cross, atoned for sin for all time. When we really believe that, then everything else in this world becomes second place. Everything this world has to offer diminishes. And so I just want to very briefly look at the story of one of the disciples that experienced this. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if we're going to live like them, gives us another example. Peter as Caitlin read for us, says that he ran to the tomb. I want you to think about Peter just for a moment. Peter was zealous. I referenced one of our students last weekend was baptized, Addison King, and I said that she reminds me of Peter because she just has a passion for the Lord that is contagious to me. Peter loved Jesus. 
said, no, Lord, I'll never deny you. Says, no, Lord, I'll follow after you. And if anybody tells you that you're going to die, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get in front of them. Peter's the one that when they came to arrest Jesus, he cut off Malchus's ear, took the sword. And Jesus says, no, 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 not the right time, buddy. Sit down. Very often, by the way, Jesus had to say, not the right time, buddy. Just sit down, relax. Sometimes Jesus has to tell me that. It's like, not the right time. Just relax. But Peter, when he heard from the ladies that the tomb was empty, he ran to the tomb. And we don't exactly know what was going through his mind. We're going to see a little bit of his story in a moment. But he ran to the tomb. He had rejected Jesus, and he was eager. He, he had to see for himself what had happened. He was in disbelief, probably. It says that he, he didn't really believe. He thought they were telling him just some tale. And so he had to see with his own eyes. Peter was a man that often had to see with his own eyes. He had to, he had to understand it. Had, the Lord had to teach him real, in a much firm way. Often how he has to teach me with firmness. So he ran to the tomb and he went to see for himself. This reminds me, so many of us this morning, we might not have run here. You might have come up, come here putting up even a little bit of a fight, but you are here. You've come and you are examining the tomb. Is it really empty? Is Jesus really alive? Is this story they tell me over and over again, is it really true? But after the tomb, Peter, it says, investigates the tomb, and then we don't really hear much of what he does after. But a story in John chapter 21 sort of picks up for us Peter's life. If we go to John chapter 21, we see Jesus in chapters 20 and 21 has been revealing himself over and over again to the disciples. And he's been kind of, after the resurrection, he's been coming to them and saying, it's me, just as he did with Mary. And he's been revealing himself and they are coming to faith. And by the way, just in case anyone has watched too much of the Discovery Channel, Jesus presented himself resurrected with new life to over 500 people. There is no doubt of the historicity, the accuracy that Jesus did resurrect, did take up his life again. Recorded in history. But he is re revealing himself to all of these people. And he comes to the disciples. There's about seven of them gathered by the sea. And Peter is one of those. I'm going to read for us in John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. You ever felt like that? I know we got some fishermen in the room. Peter had gone and he had seen the empty tomb. He didn't know what was going on. He had not met Jesus in his resurrected body yet. He probably felt defeated. His Messiah, the, the one that he had put all of his hope and life in, he had watched him die on the cross. And now, in his mind, his body is missing. What's going on? Things have gone completely sideways for Peter. So what's he say? I'm going back to the old life. I'm going back to what I know. I'm just going to go fishing. Just completely, he just says, I'm out. I'm going to go fishing. And it's so beautiful the way that Jesus waits, the timing of Jesus, his perfect timing, by the way. 
Just as Peter more than likely is beginning to lose all hope, is convinced that not only is his Messiah dead, but he doesn't even know where the gravesite is any longer. He has no future, nothing to do. I'm just going to go back to this old way of life. Some of us are like that this morning. Some of us We've kind of dabbled a little bit with this thing called Christianity. We've shown up to church a few times. We've listened to a few stories. Listen to that guy yammer on about something, a bunch of nonsense it might seem like. And you question, you're wondering, is this really real? And you think to yourself, you know what, that was all nice and good. Those people were pretty nice to me. They had pretty awesome donuts and average coffee. So I'm just, but other than that, I'm out. I'm just, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go fishing. That's what I know to do. I'm just going to go back to whatever I know. I was hopeless before. I'm pretty hopeless now. Brothers and sisters, don't turn away. Don't go fishing too soon. Jesus came and he met Peter, it says. I'm going to go fishing. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 21, they said to him, the other disciples, all right, if this is what Peter's doing, then that's what I'll do too. We'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. I know all our fishermen are thinking, man, that would be awesome. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, The disciple says to Peter, it is the Lord. John knew it's the Lord that's made this happen. Only the Lord could allow this haul. Fishermen, next time you get that haul, remember it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I had the opportunity to go to the Sea of Galilee, and it's, it's an amazing place, a very peaceful place, but let me just paint the picture for you. When the fishermen would go out, they would take off all their robes and all the things that would hinder them. You know, I know we've probably all imagined how they do all that moving around with those long robes on, but so they'd take that off, and they'd basically go fishing in their underwear, in their undergarments, and so they go out. He's fishing. Peter's going fishing. He sees that this is the Lord, and they would fish. They would fish kind of along the shoreline. The Sea of Galilee is pretty deep. There's not a lot of great fishing out in the middle. So they'd fish closer to the shoreline. And so he wasn't too far, so he sees and hears that that's Jesus. What's he do? He jumps just like Lieutenant Dan. Just jumps right in. Or or I got that backwards. Isn't it Forrest that jumped in and swam to shore? Thank you. I I always get these. I got Geico and AT&T mixed up a few weeks ago. uh, So forgive me. But uh, he just jumps off the boat. And starts swimming ashore. He puts his robe on. He's going to go meet Jesus. He's at least going to look proper. He's not meeting Jesus in his underwear. By the way, if you meet Jesus in your underwear, just meet him. It doesn't matter where. Anyhow, he puts the robe on and he swims to shore and he meets Jesus. He goes to see him. He's, the other disciples, they came. They were smarter. Again, see Peter's personality in this. Peter doesn't have time to wait on the boat to row over. Peter's swimming there himself. Passionate for Christ. So he jumps in the water, he swims. The disciples, they come in the boat, it says in verse 8. They're dragging the net full of fish about 100 yards. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Where are, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus comes and meets Peter. Peter had rejected Christ when the consequences of following him became too steep. Some of us decide on and off again when we will be obedient, when we will serve the Lord, when God's word that says, thus saith the Lord, will be enough for us. And let me just encourage you, strengthen you, give you hope that this world is not going to get better, friends. I know that doesn't sound like good news, but things are going to get worse and it's going to require the believers, those who follow the Lord and say that I am a Christian, that claim the name of Christ, it's going to get more and more and more challenging. There's going to be more and more obstacles thrown in our face that says, you can't say that, you can't believe that, I've got something else for you to do, and we're going to be required as the consequences and the challenges get more and more steep to remain faithful to say yes to Jesus and not to the world. But when Peter was faced with that, he rejected Christ. And so you might even think to yourself as I'm saying that, you may be saying, well, man, I've, I've kind of messed that up. I've missed the boat on that. Just wait till the end of this story. Peter grieved the death of Christ, thought he'd just go back to fishing. But in the mercy, in the kindness, in the grace of Christ, I want you to hear how Jesus addressed Peter. As I said, I got to go to the Sea of Galilee, and I got to go to the likely place where Jesus restored Peter. I forgot to bring it with me this morning, but I've got a stone. I just took one. They said it was okay. The tour guide didn't look too scorn at me too much, but I took a stone from this beach to remind me that no matter how far we have fallen, no matter how often we fail, no matter the struggles that we might face, the grace and the mercy and the kindness of Jesus to come to us because he knows where we are and to restore us, to give us hope again. Jesus, he comes to them, they're out fishing, he gives them a great haul and then he makes them breakfast. And in verse 15, it says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than all the others, more than the world? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, this is Peter replying, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said, to the, said the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him this a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter, through this experience, as he was restored by Christ and restored to a role not to just be a fisherman for Jesus, not to just go out and continue life as he'd always led it, but to go out and to live his life for Christ, to feed his sheep, to be a pastor, to shepherd the flock of God. Jesus didn't just restore him toward a, to this one, kind of his normal place. He didn't just restore him back to the role he had previously given him. Given him. He restored him and elevated him and said, Peter, 
I love you and I know that you love me. Feed my sheep. Tend to them. I entrust to you my people, my children. Peter learned the value of what Christ had secured for him. He knew the cost when he saw Jesus on that cross. He knew the cost after he had rejected Jesus and turned away and not walked with faith and obedience. And he had determined in his life that nothing else this world could offer was as valuable as Jesus. We know this because of his words. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Peter speaking to the church. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, Peter knew his mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter understood what Jesus' life meant and the value. And as we think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how we could live with understanding that the resurrection is true and that Jesus is alive, we can become subversive in our faith when we see that Christ is the most valuable thing, when he is most precious. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which, man found, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, notice, not in his burden, not in grief, not in anger, not in frustration or anything like this, but in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has so he can buy that field. That's a parable about how precious Jesus is. Everything else this world has to offer will fade away, will turn to dust, will be worthless to you, brothers and sisters, one day. It will be of no significance, but Jesus in his life and the, the, the worship of him and the opportunity to have a relationship with him will last forever. And we, when we understand that, when we know that that is true, we can live and we can live in obedience to him and whatever the world might bring either to offer us as beautiful and as shiny and as a win, we can say, no, that's not as valuable as Jesus. Or in uh, persecution, in hurts, in pains, in suffering, oh yes, but I have Jesus. No matter where we find ourselves, when we see Jesus as most valuable, we can live. We can live with no fear of death. We can live no longer feeling as if we have to live for the worship of man, but we can live our lives to the worship of God. We become like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, subversive in our faith when we know that we know that according to, as Peter just said, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm almost done. Brothers and sisters, in the story that Caitlin read from Luke 24, the angels asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we've put our faith and our hope, our final confidence in the resurrection of Jesus, guess what? We are the living amongst the dead. 
We are dead men and women, boys and girls who've been raised to life by the power of the resurrection. And if we are going to live our lives for Christ, if we are going to live in a way that brings honor to him, if we're going to live for the kingdom of God above the kingdom of man, we must believe and our lives will look radically different. We won't just return to the fishing nets. We will live our lives for the calling of Christ, whatever that might look like for us. And as we do that, we let go of all that this world has to offer. We come to God, we come to Jesus, and we say our hands are full of Jesus, so full of him that there is nothing else that could take his place. There's no more room. We are full. And friends, if you do not know Christ this morning, look for the living among the dead. I pray that every single person, if you don't know the Lord this morning, that you have a friend who does. And if you don't have a friend who does, then I will be your friend. Come and talk to me at the end of this service. There are many in this room that will be your friend. And we are not perfect. We are not sinless. We are broken people who just find our hope in Christ alone and have determined that he is most valuable and we are therefore going to live for him. And look and just examine the life that Christ has given us, not because we are special, but because he knew where we were and he raised us to life in him. Look for those friends who focus on the unperishable things, the unfading things, those glories that will come in a future time. Brothers and sisters, we proclaim to you Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world, buried, mourned on Saturday, but up from the grave, conquering all sin and death for all time. Dead men, dead women, those far off from God, you're looking for life and you're pursuing it and trying to chase it down in any vehicle that you might see possible. And I just want to exhort you and call you to put your hope in the resurrected life of Jesus once and for all. Do that this morning. Repent and believe that the kingdom of God is here because Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to close with singing one final song. And as we sing, you can stay seated. You can stand up and worship with our worship team. But I just encourage you to examine your heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know the Lord, are you living for him and him alone? And I would encourage you to repent and turn away from those things of the world that are secondary and will only fade away one day. And if you don't know the Lord as Savior this morning, I'd ask you just to ask God, what do you have for me? Why did you bring me here? I trust and believe that you brought me here for a purpose. And listen to the Holy Spirit of God as he speaks to your heart. Listen to him. Let's sing. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. We rejoice and thank God that you took your life up again, Lord Jesus, that you did not stay in that grave, that we are victorious, not because of anything within our lives, but we are victorious because of the hope that we have in you. Jesus, we praise you this morning. Holy Spirit, come now and use this time however you see fit. Speak to our hearts. We invite you to speak. Let us hear from you. I pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Every knee will
Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.